Welcome back, listeners, to Not Just Any Other Story. This is Anita Capri. I'm so glad you joined us here today. Um, I am very happy to have a new friend that who um, seems to have a lot in common with me, and it's another Cindy. So this is the third Cindy in my friend group, and I think we hit it off. First, first of all, welcome. Thank you, Anita. So lovely to be part of this today. Cindy, you, I, I think we hit it off so well because we discovered that we have a few things in common, right? Yes, we do. So we both love to watch home shows. Yes. That's one of the things. Um, and then we, we, by surprise, discovered that we both love Justin Bieber. Oh, JB, yes. We love, we love the Biebs, the Biebs. <laughs> And what was the other? The Bachelor. We both the watched The Bachelor. Bachelor. But there were four things. There was HGTV, Justin Bieber, The Bachelor. There, we're going to think of it yeah, later for sure. Later. But I, I remember just being like, you like that too? Oh, so do I. You like him too? So do I. Oh my gosh. Anyway, thank you so much for being here, Cindy. We're going to continue on with the shopping cart people. And I believe we're on chapter 17. I like this chapter, the next few chapters, because Angel's getting ready to go to Italy and it's going to be so much fun. She gets to see her sister Tilly. Uh, so we're going to start with that. I'll start reading and then we'll talk for a few minutes. And then Cindy, I'm going to pass it over to you to read the next two chapters after that. Sound good? That sounds wonderful. Okay. All right. So here we go. Chapter 17, the last word. Les and I didn't sleep together, though it could have gone that way very easily. Maybe I was just being a little bit of a prude, but having raised a child as a child myself has taught me something in the way of caution. Les didn't even pose the question. He just seemed to know that I couldn't yet. He finally did take a gentlemanly exit in the early morning hours following much fondling and smooching. After I watched him pull out of the driveway, both regret and relief fighting for center stage in my heart, I tumbled into bed and fell into a deep sleep, and it was accompanied by the most wonderful dream. It was Tilly's phone call that woke me up just a few hours later. Though I was only half conscious when I picked up, her cheery voice filled me with instant joy. Suddenly, I felt a sense of urgency to see her. I wanted her to be right there beside me so that I could tell her everything. And she would listen, and then we would both laugh or cry together. Hi there, you sound sleepy, she said. Yeah, I am. Late night? Um, yep, I answered, knowing what would come next. Hmm, and I best you bet you missed church, too. He must have been something special. I laughed. She doesn't know the half of it, but she will. So are you picking me up at the airport, I asked, changing the subject? Of course. I'll be there with a friend. He's got the car. Oh, who's the friend? It was my turn to get nosy about her love life. He's Giovanni, and he's gorgeous, she quipped without an ounce of hesitation. Aren't all Italian men gorgeous, I said. We both giggled. Yeah, pretty much. Just wait till you see for yourself. Well, I'll be arriving Wednesday by around 2 p.m. Air Canada. I can't remember the flight number, but don't worry, Angel. We'll find you. Okay, so don't keep me waiting. Make sure Giovanni is on time. I can't wait to see you, sis. Tilly really did sound excited. We're going to have a ball, Till. I'll see you Wednesday. Love you. Bye, Angie. Love you, too. 
After Tilly's phone call, I finally began to feel truly excited about going to Italy. I missed her terribly, and I knew we would enjoy every minute together. It had been so long since we had spent time together as sisters without the distractions of boyfriends or siblings, or in my case, a child to raise. And though it was exhilarating to think of being in Europe with its rich history and culture, its good food and wine, at the same time it was somewhat intimidating. With my mind filled with images of picturesque old villages and cobblestone streets, I decided it was the perfect time to pack. As I bustled around the house pulling out luggage and rifling through my closet, deciding on what clothes I should bring, it suddenly occurred to me that I hadn't even thought about Harry and what he was doing over at my parents' place. When I tried to call, there was no answer. It was one in the afternoon. Maybe they went out to lunch, I thought to myself. I tried calling again an hour later. Still no answer. Just as I contemplated calling my brother's cell, the phone rang. It was Matt. He and Harry were out paintballing, excluding my parents, of course. I didn't call you to come because I figured you probably had a late night, Matt teased. I didn't sleep with them, Matt, I blurted out. Blurted out. Oh, he said, a little taken aback. I guess I should get you off on of speakerphone. All I can think about was the possibility that Harry had been listening to the conversation. And just at that, that moment, I felt... <laughs> Sorry, I have to giggle here. I felt like I was a kid again with the urge to pound my little brother for being so annoying. But Matt was just being Matt. To my relief, he admitted that he really didn't have his phone on speaker mode. Frankly, I didn't know what was more irritating, the thought of him putting me on speakerphone or tricking me into believing he did. Maddie, I began speaking in a low business-like voice. I hope you haven't said anything to Harry about Les coming over here last night. No, of course not. Don't worry. It's all good. Good, that's good, I replied, a slight sigh escaping me. Harry hasn't met Les yet. We've really just been out together once, so I haven't mentioned him. Angel, don't explain, I get it. You want to check the dude out first. No need to involve the innocent kid, right? I shook my head and laughed at Matt's choice of words. Though he summed the matter up in very simple terms, he had hit the nail on the head, and he wasn't even aware of the underlying circumstances behind my cautious strategy. And when can I expect my child to come home? I asked in my mother's voice. We'll be home soon. We're going to stop by Bev's house. I promised Brendan and Liz I'd spend some real time playing with them this afternoon. So what are you making for dinner? Again, I laughed. You'll see. When it came to a nice home-cooked meal, Matt never joked. I knew his ex-wife wasn't much of a chef. I could imagine that coming from a home where mom's Italian cooking was pretty much an everyday event, it must have been quite an adjustment for Matt when he got married, though I'd never once heard him complain about it. A few hours later, I was preparing French onion soup, Matt's favorite. Moira and Zafaya had also decided they would drop by. It would be a nice opportunity to get to know Zafaya, seeing as she was not only my receptionist at the clinic, but sort of an adopted daughter to Moira. While I was fussing about in the kitchen, I kept thinking about what Moira had said on the phone earlier, just before she invited herself over for dinner. She suggested that I phone Les to thank him for dropping by to return my cell phone. You realize you need to call and say something to him she said resolutely and then after a hesitant response from me she laid into me with angel it's not uncommon to thank someone for doing something thoughtful not to mention other things what was it with everyone did they all think i had a wild night of passionate sex with the man of my dreams well, not an unlikely scenario, but I felt so accused. Once again, I tried to defend myself. I did not sleep with him, Moira. I know you didn't, she answered, as if she knew exactly what I was going to say. Then what were you insinuating? <laughs> Me? I wasn't insinuating anything. You know, Angel, you really should get your mind out of the gutter. I'll see you in a while. Then she hung up. I hated it when she got the last word. I absolutely hated it.
And that is chapter 17. <laughs> Lots of fun. So I'm going to just move the mic over a little bit so we can both talk. Here, Cindy. So thoughts. Well, my thought is that, um, you know, Les is totally being preoccup preoccupying her mind. Uh, and you can tell that the romance is there. And she's pretty excited yeah. that what may come. Um, and that's, you know, toying with her excitement also to go to Italy and to spend time with her sister, as well as the anxiety of leaving her son. You know, uh, I think for the first time, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, and was he going to be okay with that? And what, how does she feel about being on her own for a vacation? So I think this chapter was really fun because it got to see um, her expression and excitement about yeah. the potential, but also what other people thought she immediately went to what they might, might be thinking, yeah. which meant that she was probably <laughs> thinking that too. <laughs> so that was really well done. <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. Okay, so I'm going to let you, yeah, it's it's a lot of firsts for her right now. Yes, that's a good and, way to say it. And the interesting thing, uh, too, is that Matt does mm -hmm. not realize this is Harry's father. Right, he doesn't know yet. You that's know? right. So, uh, so that's why she's sort of like really, she's got an extra layer of anxiety about this. That's because, right. You know, like it's, she's got to tell him, right? Yeah. She really does. I'm not going to say anything else. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. to come. So Cindy is going to read chapter 18. So I'm just going to pass this over to you, Cindy. Okay. And... So chapter 18, sweet goodbyes. Dinner was quite entertaining due to Matt's incessant teasing and storytelling. Safia, who sat at the table with her legs propped up on a chair, had actually laughed out loud for the first time since I'd met her. In the company of people she trusted, her quiet reserve seemed to have disappeared, at least for a while. I was thankful I had taken the opportunity to get to know her. I discovered that she was not only quite bright, but a young lady who had dreams and goals of her own, not unlike mine at that age. I sensed that she would do just fine with the support network that was being formed around her. Moira mothered her to some extent and she accepted it graciously. This is so good for her. I felt a sense of satisfaction that I had given her a chance and a pang of guilt that I almost hadn't. The next two days were very hectic as I tried to see as many of my furry patients as I could squeeze in before I had to leave for Italy. Les surprised me the day before I left as he strolled into the clinic with a tray full of hot teas and coffees for the whole gang. I figured he must have called beforehand and taken the order from Zephia. He seemed to know everyone's preferences and what it would take to impress me. It almost made me wonder whether he was for real, whether these random acts of kindness were really him or if it were just pulling or if he was just pulling out all the stops to win me over. I should have felt thrilled that he was trying so hard, but because there was so much depending on this relationship, I needed to be sure that this wasn't just about him pulling out all the stops to get what or who he wanted. I needed to know that he was being totally sincere, that this was exactly who he was. When he walked in, I was just coming out of the examining room, my white overcoat covered in black dog fur. When I noticed him, all I could think about was the fact that I smelled like rubbing alcohol. He looked up, at, up and gave me a friendly smile. Instantly, I wished I had taken the time to wear some makeup and do my hair that morning, as opposed to plopping it into a big clip on the top of my head. It was the first time he would see me in my professional element. Unfortunately, it was not a glamorous one. Not very glamorous at all. Uh, hi there, he said, still smiling. Hi, 
I tried not to reveal how ecstatic I was to see him. Are those for us? I pointed at the coffee cups. Of course, I was hoping you could take a longer coffee break, though. He glanced at the big clock above the weight scale. I'd love to take you to lunch if we have some time. It was 1130. Though I had one more appointment before noon, there weren't any bookings until two o'clock. I looked at Zephia and her eyes darted to the computer screen, slightly embarrassed that she was caught in the middle of this couple's moment. <laughs> It'll be at least a half an hour before I can get away, I answered. How about that little restaurant there? He gestured toward the sandwich shop across the street. I had been there before and I found myself trying to recall whether the tables were far enough away from each other to accommodate a more private conversation. When I hesitated, Les responded quickly with, we could go somewhere else. No, no, I assured him. That little place is great. I'll wait for you there, he said it like a question, perhaps unsure of whether I preferred that he wait for me in the waiting room. Now I couldn't control my smile. He was every bit of a gentleman, and I felt myself tumbling uh, just a little further down that slippery slope. Yes, that'd be great, Les. I'll meet you there. I'll be over in a, in a little bit. I tried to contain the feeling of nervous excitement that had overtaken me completely. Les grinned at Zephia before he turned around and headed out the door. When I walked through the door of the sandwich place 45 minutes later, I noticed he had chosen a table that was conveniently located in a cozy little corner at the back. He was reading what looked like the financial section of the newspaper. I wondered whether he chose a table as far from the front window facing the street as preventative measure. No chance this time of being distracted by his smile when I crossed the street. It was a huge relief to arrive without any scrapes or unwanted audience. He was so engrossed in what he was reading that he seemed startled when I pulled out the chair opposite him to sit down. I noticed a full cup of black coffee sitting on the table. Hi. Sorry, he said. I didn't see you come in. He folded his paper and leaned forward a little. I'm glad you could come, Angel. God, how I love the way he says my name. I didn't order you anything. I wasn't sure if you wanted another coffee. I don't know if, you, if they have your fancy ones here. I laughed. Yes, I know I'm a coffee snob. He just smiled back and then took a sip of his own dark brew. Well, I'm not picky. This is good enough for me. He was teasing and I appreciated it. My smile was shaky. I didn't know why I felt so nervous again all of a sudden. It was as if I could sense that he had something to tell me or ask me. And as usual, my instincts proved correct. It was really nice to meet the rest of your family the other day, he said. Yes, they're quite a bunch. I'd like to meet your son, too. He was looking at me intently, but still smiling. That was it. The door had opened and the opportunity to tell him about Harry was before me. But then, how could I? I was leaving the next day for Italy. I, could, I couldn't tell him this life-altering news and then take off to a foreign country. You don't talk about your son much, he said. I was biting my lower lip now, unable to look him in the eye. How old is he anyway? You never really said. My heart was beating faster now, and underneath my calm exterior, I began to secretly panic as I wondered if he suspected anything about Harry. His questioning gaze was penetrating. As I stared back, I hoped my eyes could hide the guilt behind them as I prepared to lie to him outright. And then I did it. He's 12, I answered, taking a deep breath. But he's tall for his age. I wouldn't describe his reaction as shocked. He looked pensive, though. Oh, he replied. He's a lot older than I thought. 
I knew my lie wasn't totally off base. Harry did look like he could be 12. Though he was tall, he had a small frame and hadn't lost his baby face. I searched his expression for any hint of disbelief. You know, the way you made it sound the other night, I thought he was really young. But then I wondered when your sister mentioned that he was babysitting her kids. He paused for a moment, just long enough for me to curse my sister for almost letting the cat out of the bag. I tried desperately to hide the anxiety behind my blank expression. You must have been quite young when you had him. Does that bother you? I asked, a slight tremor in my voice. No, he answered quickly. It doesn't bother me at all. He waited for me to say something. There was a long silence. I knew he was debating in his own mind whether to change the subject or to give me a moment to decide if I was going to talk about it and talk about it or not. But I couldn't. I could not plunge into this lie any further than I already had. He broke the silence. That must have been hard for you. I nodded, looking down. It was hard, but my family was amazing. They were there for me. They helped me raise Harry. I could tell you're all very close, he said, now smiling again. We are, I answered, feeling my heart slow down just a little. I tried to take a deep breath without him noticing. He continued to stare at me, then took my hand in his. I don't think I want you to go to Italy. My head began to swim. I couldn't help but smile somewhat awkwardly. I said nothing, just stared back at him. Then he asked if he could take me to the airport. I politely refused, explaining that my father had taken it upon himself to make sure I got to the airport on time. As we walked back to the clinic together, I began to think about being in the car with my father when there would be an opportunity for him to broach the subject of my new boyfriend, who just happened to be his grandchild's father. I still didn't know whether mom had said anything to him about Les. Right about now, I almost wished she had, so I wouldn't have to. As we crossed the street, I could feel the weight of the lie that I had just told bearing down on me. When we arrived at the entrance to the clinic, Les stopped on the sidewalk and turned to face me. I'm very disappointed I won't be able to take you to the airport tomorrow. He did actually look disappointed. So I guess I'll just have to kiss you goodbye here. It was too late by the time I had grasped what he'd said because he'd already cupped his hands around my face and kissed me. If I may digress just a little... It was one of those goodbye kisses that stays with you for days, if not weeks, afterwards. It was one of those kisses that, if you thought about it later on, it would cause your knees to buckle and your whole body to become limber. Then you would get a severe case of the gut flutters that would turn you instantly into a big ball of mush. I couldn't believe I was standing there, his mouth searching mine, but I melted away in, the, in his embrace in full view of everyone on the street and of anyone inside who happened to be looking. I think we even got whistles from a few onlookers. This man has guts, I thought. He really has guts. And he is making it extremely hard for me to keep my lusty thoughts in check. <laughs> Once I realized we had an audience, I felt so embarrassed that I almost dismissed him without even thanking him for lunch. I'll call you when I get back, I said, expecting him to say, okay, and then leave. He didn't let go of my hand. You can call me while you're there, can't you? He asked in this teasing manner with which I was becoming so familiar. Yes, I can. I realized that I was being a little abrupt. Do you want me to? He didn't answer for a moment, and then he squeezed my hand. Yes. 
I smiled back without saying anything and touched his face. I let my fingers slide gently along his smooth, clean-shaven cheek and then down to his chin. Bye, I said, almost in a whisper as I began to turn away. He didn't answer, but he wasn't smiling anymore. Catching one last glimpse of him, I turned back around and said, The coffee was wonderful, and so was lunch. He smiled again, a smile that could launch a thousand angels. (laughs) Oh, how wonderful. (laughs) Yes, I love it. Her name being Angel. What a wonderful experience that she's having with Les. Um, I, I, um, I wanted to know what you thought about the whole, there's a lot of sexual tension here as you yes. picked up on it probably. Yes. <laughs> and she's, I, and I think some of it is the fact that she is so nervous mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. him, especially when he asked about Harry. Right. And, um, so he knows that she's not married, but he didn't ask about the father. Father yet. That's right. Yeah. So I, I, I certainly noticed that. And I, I, I'm curious to know why he's so curious about the age and that he thought he was younger and older. Like, is he wondering, does he remember their first encounter, you know, and wondering about the timelines? Like, it yeah. is a very um, yeah. inquisitive type questions that he's asking, yeah. more so than if he was just meeting a new person and getting to know them about yeah. their, their, their children or their past. Right. So. And I, and I think what, I, I, what you read mm-hmm. was the fact that I think it wouldn't have been anything. I would have just been out of curiosity, like, Oh, how old, you know, like a right. regular conversation. How old is your child? Right. But I think it was because she said, the sister said he's babysitting. Right. And so I think he right. was probably the... mulling that over in mm-hmm. his mind. Thinking how long. So does he 100% believe her? Mm. I don't, yeah, good yeah, question. You'll find out. Because she said he was 12. And he's really 14, right? 15. 15. 15. Yeah. It was a year off yeah. the earlier chapter. Yeah. Well, he's going, or is he going? He's he going 15. I think yeah, he, is he is 15. 15. Yeah. Yeah. Going. Oh, wow. Yeah. So well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what but happens. I just love the excitement between them. Yeah. And how I do too. asked to keep in touch while she's away. I think that really surprised her. Yeah. She keeps trying to push him away. Yeah. You know, and that or slow things down. Slow things down, maybe more so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's like, oh, you can call me, yeah. you know? And yeah. so I thought that was really um, smart of him to kind of keep that, that going yeah. while she's away. Yeah. And what yeah. did you think of him sort of really full out kissing her just in the middle of the street? Well, I mean, who wouldn't want that from a man as attractive as Les? I mean, I think that's wonderful. Um, But he's definitely not being shy about his intent or feelings for Angel. Yes. Um, And um, I I love that he has her squirming just a little. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It is really sweet, right? And and he's leading. She keeps, again, resisting, but he keeps leading it. And she just can't uh, bring herself not to be involved in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love how she touched his face and his chin. Like, you can tell she's just longing for yeah uh, his embrace and yet yeah. with her you know history and thoughts is yeah. really playing with her so yeah, yeah. It's wonderful it's not a normal first date like she's just because there's just all of the there's this huge thing that she's keeping right so oh. it's it's you know and i think she momentarily forgets mm. and then she remembers yeah that's true right? <laughs> yeah forgets, i can see that and then she remembers yeah because right? she's in that moment it's like yeah. oh my gosh is the father how am i yeah. gonna tell him what, what's he gonna say right yeah oh so it must be hard I oh it must yeah. be really hard Yes. Do you want to read the next? So the next one, I think she actually yeah. is in Italy. She, okay, she yes, reaches it Italy. Chapter nineteen. All right. She All right. Uh, another sibling reunion. I'd be happy to read it. Okay. Okay. Cindy, here you go. Hope everyone's following along. <laughs> okay. So, this is another sibling reunion. Uh, 
If there was one thing that could get my mind off of Les and missing Harry, it was being with Tilly. From the moment I arrived in Rome, we chatted and giggled about everything. Giovanni, Tilly's personal chauffeur, among other things, was exactly what I thought he would be. Good looking in an authentic Italian sort of way, tall, well-dressed and spoke broken English with a thick accent. I couldn't help but joke with Tilly that he really was a gyros. Okay, so pronounce as gyros, gyros, gyros. Okay, awesome. Uh, this was our word to describe the guys who wore the gold jewelry with the open shirt and who had that Latin Greek godlike look, uh, despite the fact that they were somewhat rough around the edges. I'm not really quite sure how we came up with gyros, yeah. uh, but I think it had something to do with a sign in front of a Greek restaurant. He's not that bad, is he, Angel? Tilly whispered to me when we finally reached the outskirts of our destination. No, I answered. I think you've done quite well for yourself. I gave her a quick side glance and my, in my most devious smile. She began to giggle. Giovanni turned to us in the back seat, his sparkling whites gleaming. Orvieto was a beautiful, bustling town. It was just after dusk, and I was surprised at the number of people, cars, and Vespas on the road. From what I could see, the buildings boasted stunning stone facades with the typical European charm that I had only read about in books. I felt like Diane Lane in Under the Tuscan Sun, minus the beautiful white dress. The people seemed to have just as much style as the buildings as they meandered down the rough cobblestone streets. Many of them were couples who would stop for a prolonged embrace while gazing at the many delights through the storefront windows. Nice, isn't it? Tilly asked when she noticed my dreamy expression. And then Giovanni burst in with, you see, Angelica, my, my house, this one. <laughs> he pointed to an apartment down a, a narrow alleyway. It had box flowers hanging from a small balcony and bright red curtains draping the window frame. Hmm, bold color bold man. It's very nice, Giovanni. So nice, I said. He beamed with a sense of pride. You come to see my house, Angelica. Domani, okay? Domani. Domani, okay. <laughs> Tomorrow. I'm learning. I'm learning the Italian here. <laughs> uh, Tilly answered before I could say anything. Giovanni, tomorrow we come. Tomorrow night. La Sera. Okay, you'll make us some nice pasta? CC, Fato una grande festa? Yeah. Woo! Uh, he said, uh, his voice booming with enthusiasm. He's going to make us a feast, Tilly translated. Yes, I sort of gathered that. You are too rude, Tilly. You just invited us over for dinner, I whispered back. Oh, he doesn't mind. He loves to do it. Then she whispered, especially when he knows there'll be a reward. Ugh, I'm getting a visual here. I cannot believe you. You Are you really my sister? Tilly was smiling from ear to ear. She loved saying things to shock me, whether they were true or not. She leaned over and squeezed my shoulders in a sisterly hug. I'm so glad you're here. She stared straight ahead into the crowded street. I knew her gray eyes were grazing over, glazing over. Tilly's apartment was a little ways down the street, just off the main drag. The entrance to her apartment building was a huge forest green door with a big gold doorknob in the middle of it. We stood there for a moment while she rummaged through her bag to find an oversized key. Giovanni was still looking for a place to park his red Fiat. I just happened to glance at the names listed under the door buzzer. A. DiCecco, P. Bianchi, 
one blank name slot and at the bottom T dot O dot till I asked, why don't you write your last name like everyone else? She smiled as she opened the gigantic door. We entered into a large dimly lit foyer with dark marble tile and a narrow wooden staircase that led up to what looked like more gigantic doors. My darling, she explained, the Italians like to know everything about you, so I tend to keep myself a little bit of a mystery. I rolled my eyes, chuckling to myself. It was such a tilly way of doing things. It's sort of a game now, she continued. Amelia, the elderly lady upstairs, tries to find out all about me on a daily basis. She's harmless, but Mr. Bianchi, the music, Bianchi, (laughs) the music teacher, well, he's got a thing for any type of a North American meat, any type of North American meat. Tilly, come on, that's gross. It's true. You should see the bimbos that he brings in here. He picks them up at some hangout where all the foreigners seem to go. How do you know? Do you snoop? Uh, no, but I made the mistake of going to that bar once myself and watched him in action. She opened the door to her apartment, which was one of two on the upper floor. I couldn't help but feel overjoyed at how perfect the place seemed for Tilly. You like? She asked, faking an Italian accent. It's gorgeous, Till, and it's so you. I gazed up at the high ceiling with its ornate curves and thick crown molding. There was a chandelier hanging from the ceiling that gave the apartment a majestic feel. The tall windows were decorated with sheer white curtains and nothing else. I sat on the little couch, which was the only piece of furniture for sitting in the large room, aside from the chairs in the kitchen area, which was open to the rest of the apartment. There was only a long wooden coffee table and a side table made from dark wood in the sitting area and a very unique armoire against one of the walls. It was like a regular armoire with two doors, finished in an antique-looking stain, but it was attached to open shelves on one side. Tilly had photos of on every shelf. Oh, I love this piece. It's beautiful in here. It's all beautiful, Till. Tilly was still smiling, and her gray eyes seemed to light up with pride. I looked around in wonder, and then at the photos she had on the armoire. There was one recent picture of mom and dad that she'd taken before she left home and all of us when we were very young. I felt a small twang of homesickness as my eyes rested on a picture of Harry when he must have been about about six or seven. As if she were reading my mind, Tilly came over to stand next to me and hooked her arm around through mine saying, come and see my bedroom, otherwise known as the fuck nest. F nest, fuck nest. <laughs> uh, I mean, love nest. <laughs> she corrected herself, a devious smile betraying her not so subtle, subtle, subtle uh, attempt at uh, getting a reaction out of me. I just rolled my eyes and smiled. Only Tilly could get away with being so crude. One would never think that we'd grown up in the same household. As we were about to go into her bedroom, we heard heavy, manly footsteps approaching the door to her apartment. And speaking of love nest, here comes our Giros now, she said laughing. Giovanni opened the door without knocking. Ciao, Bella Ragazze. Ragazze. He bellowed, um, grinning at us from across the room. <laughs> and I think I need to practice some Italian. <laughs> Oh my God, 
so, I, so I'm going to tell you about Tilly. Okay. And it's too bad that um, my friend, Kareen, wasn't here. Okay. Because she actually was here and was going to try and record this with me, these three chapters, because it's based on her. Oh, So Kareen okay. is very funny. She can say things that nobody else can say. <laughs> she can swear, and it sounds totally like, okay. And if I said the stuff she said, it would be like, people would be shocked. You like know? my word? Yes. <laughs> Yes. So like, so I based her, the character on her and how she's sort of just carefree with and nothing yeah. bothers her. And, and the, the word Gidos, and yes. we're not even sure it's pronounced correctly, was when I was actually with her, Corrine, oh. and we were, I can't remember what the situation was, but we were talking about some guy that was like, being you know sort of like mr macho man and but instead he was a real turnoff and so we were in front of a greek restaurant oh. and it was like you know like g-y-r-o-s guy gyros yeah do you know how you go to greek? the the food yeah, yeah, yeah it's like um lamb i lamb, think yeah sliced so we just took the word and we're like oh he's such a g, g but we started pronouncing it gyros oh so instead of so that's how it doesn't even make sense where the word came from but that's how it came that's about. the experience so it's it. actually a true life what we refer to guys like that which oh. you don't see i mean even if they were like that they're you know we're not making a judgment about their no, character no because no. he's quite lovable this guy right? oh he sure it's is just sort of the look the attraction <laughs> and the the fiat the red yes. fiat like you've got the whole yes. the whole thing going yes. on right yes. yes he's sort of those you know um, <laughs> anyway he's 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 quite lovable i think um as we read on we'll we'll really start to like giovanni mm -hmm. more and more but anyway well, he definitely has a real uh a liking for um, Tilly and yes. to welcome her sister yes. and to be part of that experience. Yeah. You know, he's very invested in the food and the experience. And yes. so I think it's, he it's felt like, like that a really in nice Italy. man. I, when I first went to Italy, I yeah. was in my 20s. Mm. I was at school in France, actually. Okay. And so my father's Italian. So I went over oh. to meet his family in Italy. Okay. And um, actually, I had on the way to Italy, I had all my money stolen. Oh, dear. I fell asleep in the train overnight. So my girlfriend and I were in the train and I woke mm. up and it was some older lady, some old lady in our car. She took all my money. Oh dear. And so I had to actually call like home. So I was right. calling my house collect at the time. Mm -hmm. This was a long time ago. Yes, before And then I had to call my grandmother, my Italian grandmother, so she could call the relatives to tell them where <laughs> I was because I had no money. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it was what a bit a of a mess. Terrible thing. And the guy, the operator on the phone, <clears throat> is starting to ask me questions. Oh, are you Canada? You're from Canada. What's your name? He starts trying to pick me up <laughs> on the, the on operator. The okay. It was hilarious. And oh. so again, the Guidos, right? You're, so, oh my goodness. Yeah. What so, an experience. Yeah. So, and, and there were people like that, but I, I, you know, I don't know. Are there more in Europe like that? I don't know. Well, I think my travels to Europe have shown me that there's a more romantic culture there yes. than uh, I've experienced being a Canadian. Yeah. Um, and my travels in Europe, whether it be, you know, in, in France or in Italy or even in England to that point, they just have a different way of expressing themselves and the, um, the dating side of things. And, and I think there's, there's just more romance involved, right? Uh, I mean, that's just maybe a generalization, but I, I felt that when I was there for sure. And the language is so they're more assertive. I just want to tell you that more assertive. Yes. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Very different from these shy Canadian guys. Let me tell you. That's right. That's right. Very different. Um, but 
but just a different culture. I just, yeah. I, I don't think it's because their, their guys are different. I think no. it's just a different culture. Everybody's very, they live life. They, that's exactly it. Right? Yeah. Rather, <laughs> rather than, rather than, you know, um, I don't know, they put the priorities straight. Yeah. And they're very family oriented and yeah. they want to find that mate and want yeah. to feel that passion. Yeah. Very passionate um, yeah. Europeans. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I love to travel. Uh, uh, have you been to Italy? I have, yes. I spent three weeks in Italy. Um, I arrived in Rome uh, for a few days and got to see the Colosseum, uh, which was something I had on my yeah. bucket list of things to see. Um, and then I traveled down to the Malfi Coast by myself for a week and just really took by in. By yourself? By myself, oh yeah. My God. And I took in. So brave. Without having any Italian, as you can tell. <laughs> Uh, just use my charm to find my way around um, and really fell in love with the Italian coast. Um, and then I decided then to come back to Rome and join a three-week tour uh, that took us all the way up to um, the, I guess, the northern coast, to Lake Como, to Venice. Nice. Uh, my favorite wine is um, the Barolo uh, uh, region. So did get to taste some delicious Amroni and Barolo. Uh, I was really into wines, so I really enjoyed that part of Italy. And I just enjoyed the simplicity of their food. I found their food um, very simple ingredients, but everything was so locally grown yes. that it was so fresh. so fresh and delicious yeah. um, and flavorful. And I'll never forget like the sun beaming down, having a nice glass of wine and just a simple pasta that really just was tossed in olive oil and garlic and tomatoes and you know bitter cheese. But it was just so flavorful mm -hmm. i try to recreate that here and it doesn't quite taste the same <laughs> so exactly and so i really enjoyed my time in italy and um um i really love florence um and if i if i put it as a priority i'd love to go back to florence and actually really rent a tuscan space and just take in that the hills and the open space that it brings you um it's just so beautiful over there so that would be mm -hmm. another time for a trip but yeah i spent uh, i guess it was a total of almost four and a half, almost five weeks back in 2009 uh, in Italy by myself. Yeah, I took a sabbatical. So yeah, I took a sabbatical for three months. And yeah. so I continued my travels after that to Paris, uh, to Barcelona, um, and um, went to Norway, uh, as well as um, um, a few other, I went to Austria, for example, and Prague. Prague was a big surprise for me too. I really enjoyed my time in Prague. So yeah, I've been, I've been very, um, um, generous with my decisions on that side that say you got to travel now while you can and you're healthy. And, uh, I was 40 at the time and I said, I've, yeah. I've never done Europe that way. I've been to England and Scotland and Ireland before, but I'd never been further. So I said, I'm going to take the time and go do it. So yes. Yeah, so I can appreciate, um, the experience that Tilly has there, yeah. uh, and live through her experiences of actually living, uh, rather than just the travel. So did it was you, really nice. Did you get, did you read further? I did. I read up to chapter 27 Oh, and then I stopped. Right. I got so into this because of the, all the romance yeah. between. And the, it, the, so I don't want to give it away the next few chapters, but like, so you were able to kind of see a little bit more of the Italy that she's. Yes. Yes. Cause she toured on her own in the next chapter, I think yes. it is right. The yeah. chapter after that. Yeah. Um, and, um, she really talks about touring. That was chapter 22. So a couple chapters ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could picture myself and I actually went back and looked at my old pictures to say, Oh, have I had it been there? What was that like? And cause I just remember the moment when I saw the Coliseum, I don't know what the Coliseum was something for me. I don't know why that was such an important thing to see in my life, but it was. And when I saw it for the first time, I remember all the people around me and it was a beaming hot day at the end of uh, early September. And I remember looking at the Coliseum thinking, wow, how old this is yeah. and what went on behind those walls and the history that I was experiencing with my own two feet now. Yeah. And I realized 
how 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 many more people have lived before me, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, in that space. Yeah. Um, so it was a really powerful moment. Yeah, yeah. it would love to Italy. You know, all my pictures when I went to Italy and when I went to Rome, all my pictures from the Colosseum destroyed. Why? I don't know. I don't they know just didn't happened. turn out. Oh, I do not know what happened. Whether um, hmm. the the whole film got destroyed. I, oh. I mean, this was so many years ago. Yeah, right. I don't have one picture of me at the Colosseum. Oh no. Yeah. Well, if you ever need it, I'll share some with you. <laughs> I just have to oh, go back. That's right. That's right. I always a trip back to Italy is a great thing. And I was thinking, I remember what our fourth thing was. I do too. Was it cats? Yes. <laughs> so my my love of cats started when I was a child. Uh, we had a cat uh, named Kitsy. And then when I got out on my own after university, I adopted a, a Balinese, a beautiful cat named Stockton. Oh, um, okay, and, just uh, stop you there? And, so and your, it was wonderful. Your, your first cat's name was what? Kitsy. And my first cat's name was Kitty. No. Oh, my goodness. Common. Oh, that's fun. It was only because what we called him would be kitty, kitty, kitty. Yeah. And he would come. That's what my mom named her, named our, it was a female cat and she called him her Kitsy because Kitsy, Kitsy, Kitsy. Oh, was, I don't know where she got that accent from, but she used to call her Kitsy. Yeah. So yeah. See, I, I know as we get to know each other even more, we're going to find even more. So you've been to Italy? Like you yeah. love Europe? I love travel. I love Europe. Yeah. But you can actually speak the language. Well, <laughs> that would have been helpful for I me. Speak a little bit of Italian, very okay. like, simple, yeah. simple Italian, but more French, as you know. Right, of course. Yeah, that's helpful to have another full language like that. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I, I really appreciate the Shopping Cart People book, um, Anita. <laughs> and I also have to say that it's one of my pet peeves. Do you know when I get to a, a grocery store or yeah. a shop, um, my partner, he always says to me, I know you're taking the cart back. I'll wait in the car because he would have just been that kind that would have left the cart i know he would have been uh but i've never caught him in the act because i'm always with them when i take the cart back and i run and then funny enough i was at costco a couple weeks ago with my sister um and she was pushing the cart and i was driving she's i'll be back i'm taking the cart over to the to the buggy area i'm like see my family raised me well <laughs> shopping cart issue so i appreciate the, the story does it oh, it's, the kind of person you are it does because you're courteous you take it back because otherwise it could fall in, into someone's car it could cause an accident it could hurt somebody that might not you know so yeah i'm very much aligned to the storyline it got me i can't wait to read the rest of the book it's wonderful <laughs> absolutely anytime i really appreciated this and i'm really enjoying the book and i hope others are are as well so thank you for this opportunity Cindy, thank you so much for being here you're welcome thank you it for being my guest oh anytime thanks anita okay. okay well everybody i guess that's it for our podcast today i hope you come and join us for the next few chapters and um it does get more exciting i can guarantee that um especially when she's in italy there's some interesting things that happen there uh, relationships are at the forefront for sure with her sister uh in particular and uh, anyway so please join us the next time and uh we'll catch you later take care